What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. We are talking about the Super Mario Bros. movie, which is taking over everything by storm. It's not only taking over movies by storm, but it's got a pretty popular music video as well. If you haven't seen it, I would suggest looking it up on YouTube. Uh, Peaches with Jack Black. It's pretty entertaining. But this movie, it was announced. I was really excited. The trailer came out. There was some concern about the voice for Mario based on Chris Pratt. But man, uh, I have to say, once I saw it, now really all I want is a Super Mario freaking universe like the MCU has. We'll get into a lot of this, but Rob, you were you took the the family to see this wife, kids. You guys all went. You actually saw it before I did, and you know, my kids are older. Your kids are younger, but this is one of those movies that I think has transcended age because. <laughs> You and I knew Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo. We can enjoy this. Kids can just enjoy this for being a fun animated movie. Like there's there's a reason why this is doing so well at the box office. 716 million worldwide already. It will hit a billion. They're they're projecting this is really transcendent in age gap or anything. This is this is just good entertainment. Absolutely. And I will co-sign. Sign me up for the MBU. I will take the <laughs> Mario Brothers universe. Give it to me. I'll watch all of it. There's enough to work with there. There's plenty of characters. There's plenty of kind of spin-offs. I mean, you could do a film just on the Super Mario RPG, you know, the the seven stars or six stars, I forget how many stars there were. There's a bunch of stars. And, and <laughs> all the stars. Characters. All of the stars. <laughs> yeah. Give me Gino and Mallow and and all of those characters. That that would be a lot of fun too. Yeah, I we actually went the opening Thursday for this. It was it was a pretty packed theater. Uh, my kids were on break that week, and it was perfect entertainment for the five of us. Uh, you know, my kids are 12, 10, 10. And then I suppose, you know, I'm a 40-year-old kid, so there's there's that. But this is really Mario is the perfect animated film to try to build a franchise around in order to really smash the box office because it's an animated film. That's fun. It's got good jokes. It's, it's got great, you know, action moments that the kids are going to love. And it's got the nostalgia factor for those, you know, elder millennials, Gen Xers, millennials that grew up with Mario. Those are the, those are all the people that have kids that want to go see animated films at the box mm-hmm. office. So the kids want to see it and the parents want to see it just as much because we grew up. I was there in 1985 when the Nintendo Entertainment System released. I was three at the time. I, I probably didn't find Super Mario Brothers until, I don't know, I was probably <clears throat> six or seven at least, maybe eight. Yeah by the time I first played it. And uh, it was actually one of the things that got me in the most trouble uh, as a very young kid. I was actually a pretty good (laughs) kid overall. What you see, what happened was my neighbor growing up had a Nintendo and we didn't have it yet. And uh, I, it was my first exposure to video games and I was over at their house playing super Mario brothers. Uh, I had been invited over to hang out and that was great. And then just one day I was playing outside. I saw my, my neighbor and I walked over and just 
asked if we could hang out. We went in and we were playing Mario. Uh, last, my parents knew I was outside playing. They looked out. Rob was gone. <laughs> <laughs> they freaked out naturally as parents do, as I would as a parent, uh, because I was just over playing Mario. And and that's a, that's just a memory. That's a core memory I'll always have. And uh, I was very young at the time. It was the most trouble I got in as a kid, really. And so this is something that's been with me. And I've, I've played a lot of the, the entries of, for hours and hours and hours. Uh, it's not a franchise that I eagerly wait in line for. In fact, I probably haven't really sat down and played a true Mario platformer in, you know, in a, in a very long time. Certainly Mario Kart, uh, I play a lot with the kids. But the actual Mario platformer games, you know, I, I play other stuff now. Mm-hmm. But being able to see this and see the fun of Mario and the way they adapted certain elements. It was just a great time. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I stamp all of that. You know, (laughs) we talked about it during our top 100 video game reviews that we did, you know, what my memory of Mario, which was a great memory was finding in a shopping cart where my mom was trying to hide the Nintendo that she had bought me as a kid, much your age, six, seven years old. And that was my first exposure to Mario was we were walking out of Ames. Uh, I'm dating myself for anybody who's listening to this. That is like, the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) As we were walking out, I just happened to look in the, in the bag and was like, what the heck is this? And just going home and it was all, Oh my God, just all I played. But and certainly, like you said, Rob, like now I'm not breaking down doors to be like, oh, the new Mario came out. But this was just it was nice to kind of go back, but to also sit there and see, you know, what this movie had to offer the fun. Certainly, we can talk about some of uh, the the MBU, because that whole scene with Luigi before he's captured is literally a test run for a Luigi's mansion movie. Oh yeah. Like, you know, so absolutely. And, you know, before we get too much into uh, dissecting the film, you know, just talking a little bit more about the importance of Mario as a character and the Mm. Mario brothers games as a franchise. This is, this is the most important IP in video games. It's the oldest IP, really, because, yep. uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe I guess Pac-Man's technically older, but nobody cares about Pac-Man anymore. Pac-Man doesn't have the staying power no. of Mario. But if you think about where the video game industry was in 1985, I mean, it was on its last legs. I mean, the Atari had crashed and burned so bad. E.T. had completely <laughs> wiped them out. and They were filling a landfill with the unsold games, and they were afraid that video gaming as a hobby, as something that people were interested in was, was a fad and was gone and was done. And here comes Nintendo with the Nintendo entertainment system. And here comes the game. They launch it with the original super Mario brothers. I mean, I'm not going to say video gaming wouldn't exist without Mario, but it may not exist in the way we know it. It may have taken longer to come back or it may have taken longer to catch on. And it's maybe not at the height that it's at now. Right. Some of the some of the creative people who got involved in video games or were drawn to video games might not have had that same same passion. You know, I kind of I liken this to sort of like Kurt Angle, you know, Kurt Angle, <laughs> everybody knows as an Olympic wrestler, an Olympic gold medalist that got into the WWE had 
mixed martial arts been as big when he won his gold medal as it is now, that guy never goes into pro wrestling. He goes into MMA and becomes a heavyweight champion. You know, Brock Lesnar may be the same way. If MMA was as big when he got out of the University of Minnesota as as it is at the time, you know, if the UFC would have been around then, he would have gone right into that and never gone into the WWE, at least not initially. You know, I think those are I think those are really good uh, analogies for for maybe what what could have been. Yeah, no, I mean, certainly those those two names that you mentioned, they've talked about it. You know, had the had the money been there, I mean, yeah, with with their wrestling backgrounds and and the way UFC really was. I mean, you look at anybody who knows Brock Lesnar, the guy won the heavyweight title, his second fight in UFC, and you can say what you want about him, but he still won. You know, had a very like impressive comeback performance against Shane Carwin. Certainly had his his illnesses and stuff like that, but. Yeah, like the money just wasn't there. I think that's a really good analogy. And, you know, Rob, like you said, we're kind of, you know, before we really dive into it, one thing that was really a talking point, again, when this first this first trailer came out, the trailer looked great. But people were like, oh, that's that's Chris Pratt. That's not Mario. By the time Did people really want him doing the stereotypical fake Italian accent, it's a me, a Carissa Pratt. Did well, anybody really want that? Who wanted that? I, I feel like by the time the first trailer came out, though, to the movie, I feel like he changed his voice up enough where it wasn't like it didn't sound like a stereotype and like you should laugh at it. But he certainly disguised his voice enough as Chris Pratt. Like, I thought he found a really good balance between how you just said, like, it's me, Mario. Like, I thought the balance was really well done. Because I didn't want the, you know, I didn't need that. But I was like, yeah, okay, I can see people's problem with, like, basically Chris Pratt just talking and being Mario. But I thought by the time the movie was released and what we saw, I thought it was a really well blended voice for Mario. I think in a lot of animated movies, when you've got name cast doing the voiceovers, it's hard to kind of separate the voice from the person. Mm -hmm. You know, you just kind of like picture it for whatever reason. And I don't know what it was, but for whatever reason, when we went to this, I just like I didn't really pay attention to who I thought that voice was like Charlie Day is Luigi like I, I knew that was him but like it it didn't like I heard the voice it didn't you know I didn't really think about it like Chris Pratt is Mario I didn't think of him as like oh that's Star Lord talking right now like mm-hmm. even Jack Black like it, it didn't really occur to me oh that's you know that's Jack Black's voice like I just none of these characters and you look through the cast like it's it's almost all names you'll recognize for the most part and for whatever reason I just it just kind of didn't really occur to me that those were people's voices. I recognized. I just sort of sat and was able to enjoy the movie without that kind of distraction. Yeah. I think the only one that was really, and just because it's to me, it is very like distinct. I think maybe the only one would be Seth Rogen as donkey Kong. Mm. To me, there wasn't really a lot of difference like between donkey Kong and his voice. That was the only one where I was like, I don't sometimes I felt like a little bit too much, like he was just talking, um, but certainly not anything to be like, oh, no, like it it ruined anything or made anything less. But th- that's the only guy that I thought like, eh, all right, like I like every time it was like, oh, that's Seth Rogen. 
Like, yeah. So, but you mentioned Jack Black and I, I want to bring up Bowser first and foremost, because that opening scene had a real, you know, empire star Wars type feel with, you know, the, the Bowser kingdom flying over, like they made him a very, that opening scene. I thought they made him like a real presence in the movie, but they blended that, that goofy side. Once you start to realize that he's just crushing on peach, I thought they blended that mix very well of making him intimidating, but also like, oh, he's just like, he's a guy crushing on a girl. Yeah, I I really did like how that worked. He felt like he was powerful and he could cause some problems and was a legitimate threat. But what I also liked is that Illumination, we know them from the Minion series, the the Despicable Me series. That's what most people recognize them from. Uh, I believe they did the Sing movies. Those are a lot of mm-hmm. fun. If you if you like animated films, Sing is just a really good time. Uh, I highly recommend those those films. But they didn't have some of the toilet humor that you see right. in the Minions films. Like there, there's no Koopas running around with their butts hanging out. You know, like I, I kind of appreciated that they didn't have some of that element of it. I, I got to say this, though, and it's it's maybe my biggest complaint about the movie. I, the whole like force her to marry me evil plan. <laughs> You know, that's kind of always what was implied, I think, in some of the animated cartoons way back in the day and different, you know, different aspects, like entries in the Mario game series. There was a reason that that Bowser was kidnapping Peach, but it just feels yucky in 2023. Like it just it kind of felt like. I'm not comfortable watching this. I don't know. Like, I just I feel differently about it now than I did back then when that was kind of just common uh, as a way to do it. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm alone here, but uh, I just felt like I wish they would have done something different with this. Yeah, no, I mean, it certainly is a a very tired trope. Oh, yeah. You know, with that. So part of that, I was like, like, all right, I, I can I can do without this part. But again, I did appreciate like I, I did appreciate his humor especially when he's singing and things like that. Um, I, I, I like Bowser a lot, his design. I mean, it's it's Bowser, but again, just the animation in this movie is so well done, and it's it's such a treasure trove of little Easter eggs that, you know, we, we talked about this during our review for uh, The Mandalorian in terms of if you watch certain aspects, you'll pick up on things, but there's so many little Easter eggs that even if you're a younger kid and you don't know the backstory or played old games of Mario, you're going to enjoy this movie. But then for somebody like you or me, there's all of these little, or even somebody like my oldest son, Brandon, who's 21, there's Easter eggs from like all these other little games that you can get like extra enjoyment out of this by just seeing some of these things in the background or some of the, you know, the, the dialogue that's spoken, which again, it's, it's a really well done balance. I thought of, you know, giving you a movie, but not just like pushing, like not relying on things to 
be like, oh, well, if you don't know this, you can't enjoy it. I think that's a brilliant way to put that. I don't need fan service in something like The Last of Us. We spent a lot of time mm-hmm. talking about and reviewing. We talked about how just tell the story. There's there's no need for fan service. And yet they still found ways to add really high quality fan service. I do need a video game adaption to at least acknowledge the existence of the source material. And I'm looking at you, Halo. Go ahead. Yeah, you know what you did. But for something like this, I really want it to be a lot of fan service. And I largely feel like they got it exactly right for what I wanted as a fan. I never felt lost by an Easter egg or a reference from an entry that I skipped. Like I mentioned, probably by the time Mario 64 happened, that was probably the last like main entry that I spent a lot of time playing. So it didn't feel like I missed anything. It wasn't like I, I, re- I know the most recent one, like he throws his hat a lot and can take over a T-Rex and you can kind of control it. Like they didn't have anything <laughs> like that, that I felt lost by. I, but I always enjoyed the little bits that I recognized, you know, little things like just when they're doing that training montage and he's got those repeated attempts to try to beat like a platforming level, it really spoke to the elementary age version of me, like over and over again, you just keep trying, you keep trying, you keep trying, you start over and, and kids these days. And I'm going to go ahead and just like tell the kids to get off my lawn while I'm at it. Like kids these days don't actually get to appreciate how hard video games used to be. Like go ahead and hang on to your dark souls for a minute. Like, go ahead. I, I see you, but Video games, all of them used to be hard, like Battletoads. Like, I don't know why they ever made a level after the speeder bike level because it was unnecessary. There was no reason to program those levels because no one was ever going to get to them. Without the Konami code, you're not beating the original Contra. Like old video, like Mega Man. There's probably like who's ever actually beat the entire Mega Man series. Like try playing the, the Turtles game. Oh, yeah. Like, you're never getting past that water level. Like, you're just not. Like, you're just not doing it. Like, old video games were hard. Like, they were just hard. Like, punishingly hard. And without a Game Genie, like, forget it. And I just Mm -hmm. realized that when I said Game Genie, any of our Gen Z listeners are, like, trying to go to Wikipedia to figure out what the hell it is that I'm talking about. Go ahead and, and deep dive on that. You'll love it. Back before there was paid DLC to get through things and you could just like, you know, and you do a million microtransactions to get through a game. You couldn't finish a game like they were hard. And and that moment where he's doing that training, he just kept failing and failing and failing. And he would get a little closer, a little closer and a little closer. That really spoke to me and I, I loved it. Um, I thought that was I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I did, too. Game Genie is the original loot box, but yeah. you only had to pay once. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it didn't take all of the uh, credit limit on your mom and dad's credit card to be able to finish the game. But, you know, I I want to stick on that point where, you know, the, the training montage and everything like that. I really like that. I think if there's one aspect, and I, I think this is the appropriate time to talk about it, for me, there's one aspect of this movie that gives it a, a couple of points off so to speak where i where when i thought about it i went huh and i i'm curious to get your opinion on this rob so the aspect that i'm talking about is you know mario and luigi they're two regular guys they're two brothers who start a plumbing company the whole movie revolves around the fact that like they mario had luigi quit their job so that they could start a plumbing business you know, you find that out very early in the movie. So 
you know, he's, he's a guy that gets sucked into this world. And there was part of me that almost felt like, okay, he went through the training montage, but as you go through the movie and he does more and more things, I kind of went, he seems like too much of a normal guy. Like the way they presented him in this movie, like in a video game, it's okay. And I don't know if for some reason I'm just really like, I was thinking too hard about it, but I almost felt like they almost needed to do a little bit more with him learning how to do things for him to actually be like good enough, so to speak, to actually save the princess in this game. Again, it it's not a a huge thing, but part of me just couldn't help but think that as as I started to like think about the movie as a whole that like, wait a minute, like you do present him as just a regular guy that all of a sudden is like. I I can do this. And part of me just kind of takes away a little bit that they didn't explain that enough. I think there might be a little bit more explanation. So right out of the gate, one of the first scenes we get is this really cool side scrolling platforming scene where they're kind of running over things. That was brilliant. Like whoever storyboarded that and came up with that and created that, that was brilliant because it was a way to put that fan service in. It was a way to tug at your nostalgia. It was a way to you know, really pay homage to what is like why people love Super Mm -hmm. Mario Brothers and make it make sense in universe. They adapted a video game into a film and they they kept what was cool about the video game, but they made it work in film. And that's really hard to do with adaptions. So if you're looking for an in-universe explanation for it, I think you look at that opening scene where he's able to use his own agility, his own cunning, his own, I guess you'd say even street smarts to kind of adapt and move before he gets into the Mushroom Kingdom. Uh, and we don't really know how many times he uh, he died. I mean, uh, hopefully he he found a lot of those, uh, you know, green mushrooms to get one-ups <laughs> where he, he wouldn't uh, have to worry about it too much. But I, I think that probably is explainable in universe. You know, that's a I didn't think of it like that. That's a really good point. And it's it's a completely, totally different scene in a totally different movie. But in in the same vein, that side scrolling scene in the very beginning, I got the same feel of like, oh, my God, this is just it's such a well-crafted shot and it's so well designed. I got the same feeling as when we saw John wick four and that top scroller action scene, like just the way it made me feel about the scene and the detail that was put into it and the cleverness of it. I I had the same feeling, even though they're two tonally different things, (laughs) you know, one guy's just a little bit though, you know, one guy's opening a fence and the other guy's shooting somebody with a flaming shotgun round. (laughs) but it just the design of the scene i I had that same like goosebump like giddy feeling as the side scrolling was happening you just want to stand up your seat and applaud it and just Mm -hmm. say bravo brilliant filmmaking like just brilliant impressive filmmaking whoever's like whoever had the decisions that went into that like you nailed it you nailed it yeah and because it could have felt again it could have felt very forced Right. And it it just it blended so well. And again, like 
in the context, it made sense why it would go to like that view of how the audience was seeing the viewer was seeing it, which I really liked. And, you know, speaking of just not feeling forced, like one thing where I really did kind of, you know, like a get out of my seat moment when they're going to go and Mario is able to defeat Donkey Kong and they're going to get the help from the army when they're doing the cars and that scroller comes up on the screen for them to pick tires and different things. I, I literally had a moment where I like my body like moved and I was like, Whoa, like I, I thought that again, it's, it's fan service, but done the right way. I just, I love that scene where they were just making their cart, so to speak. And again, I, I love how they were able to incorporate different aspects of Mario, but it all made sense in the context of the universe because one might go, okay, well, if he's fighting Bowser, like he doesn't have a car in any of the Mario games where he's fighting Bowser. Like, how would you incorporate that in here? But yet the way that this story is panned out, everything that they add from like these other tidbits of Mario lore, they all go together. It's a very well put together movie. You know, the, the, the scene where they're selecting their cart parts got a big reaction out of my kids. Cause we're a big Mario Kart house. We're, we're really into it. We love playing it together. Do you let them win? No, absolutely exactly. not. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a bad parent. I do not let my kids win a Mario Kart. Better luck next time, sucker. <laughs> yeah, get good, noob. <laughs> Listen, it needs to mean something when they can finally take, you know, when when they can finally take a shot at the throne and and actually win. It's got to mean something, right? So yeah, that's I want I wanted to mean something. But even you know, you think about the the different entries in Mario lore, which is kind of a weird thing to say, right? But it, right. it is, it's real. <laughs> you think about the different entries there, you know, we get the side scrolling, you get his original appearance in Donkey Kong and that Donkey Kong fight scene felt like they, like, how do you adapt that game? Like, how do you adapt the Donkey Kong game that came out forever ago into a film? And yet they did it. It worked. It made sense. It was fan service, but it was effective. And how much more can you ask for out of out of this film? I, I just think that was such a great way to bring in kind of Mario's real original appearance. And and you just everything about that Mario Kart scene was just so much fun. And there's so many other things that they could have done. I mean, like I mentioned, this was the exact amount of fan service that mm. I wanted. They could have added more and and maybe been able to pull it off. They could have thrown more characters in. But I think they got exactly as much as they were going to get without risking muddying the waters a little bit and making what they did do ineffective because they were trying to do too much. And, and already, if you want to criticize this movie and look, the, the the professional critics already are. I mean, the audiences are loving this thing, but the critics are, are not liking this as much. If you want to be honest, I mean, this film is fairly light on story. It's fairly light on character development. But it's really just a lot of fun to watch and not have to care that much about it. You can just have fun with the movie and not have to think that much about it. Yeah, no, I, I think, again, I think this gives you enough story. I mean, I, I think it gives you enough story. I think it does give you enough character development. Again, my 
my original criticism aside, because I, I really actually did not think of the explanation, you know, that you gave. And I'm like, oh, that actually makes that makes a ton of sense. What I mean, I don't know. What else do you really need without maybe saturating this movie to where it's not fun and enjoyable? Because one of my only other criticisms is it towards the end, maybe like the last 20 minutes felt a little drawn. And that was just me. That was just me personally. It just, it felt a little drawn like right towards the end, but I don't know, like what else do you need to like bloat this runtime with realistically? Nothing. Yeah. They, they managed to get what they needed to get for a first film. And I mean, Matt, think about how many times we've talked about, franchises that have multiple sequels and how many times they just whiff on something because they're trying too hard to set up the next movie as opposed to just telling a concise complete story with the first film and then you make the sequel when you make the sequel and let's not kid ourselves this is getting sequels oh yeah and and spin-offs 100 percent i mean this movie made way too much money for the like i i am shocked we don't already know who they cast as wario i i I said the same thing i said i i was talking about this with brandon and then i was talking about this with some you know some friends from work and some other people and rob i think i said it to you too I mean, think about when a movie makes something like, you know, when a movie does as well as this has done this early out of the gate, it is ultra rare to not already hear this is this like sequel greenlit looking to target 2025 release. It's very rare that we have not heard this is what's already happening, particularly when something responds this well i mean we've heard sequels or season twos or whatever out of things before they're even launched Mm -hmm. before it even has hit audiences i made a halo reference earlier it already got a second season before the first season was ever seen by any any audience right and probably nobody would have asked for a second season once they (laughs) saw the first one right but that but this was just fun like your test audiences would tell you that this is a fun movie like hopefully they've got they've got everybody on contract like hey mm-hmm. we're gonna do sequels like hopefully we've got a chance to see some more stuff because again mario's deep enough that you can really explore a whole bunch if you want there's there's so many other things you can do i mean the whole like the second super mario game was was such kind of a weird mind trip like just even exploring what some of that would look like um which a lot of people don't realize super mario brothers 2 was never actually a super mario brothers game they just kind of laid the mario characters over top of the original design of the game the the real name of the game escapes me right now what, what it originally was but um yeah it was just basically it was just a mario skin on this other game yeah uh, it would have been forgotten by history if it didn't have the mario franchise attached to it Yeah, no, it's it's funny how some games over time have has had that same kind of fate where like the original Devil May Cry game was literally the original. It started off as the original sequel to Resident Evil. Oh, yeah, I think I knew that one. Yeah. And like it just was so far from what the game was that they were like, no, this is just going to be a completely different IP. But, you know, not only like with the sequels, 
but you you just have people that are okay if they could do this with mario what could they do with a zelda movie what could they do with a metroid movie could they pull off you know what could we do with star fox Ooh, you know all of these possibilities now and i was watching one review rob you you know these these guys because you were over the one time and i was watching it but double toasted yes there's oh they're great there's a show uh double toasted that i love to watch they do bad movie roast and all these things in between and and one of the conversations that they had was their only concern with this movie is does this does this ruin other video game movies going forward because how do you compare like everything's going to be compared to this for the foreseeable future in terms of you know box office and things like that so you know mortal Kombat 2 and it's certainly a different group that's going to go see that movie but mortal Kombat, you just saw that's filming now yeah that's pre-production it's in pre-production and i think in i think in two weeks it starts filming in australia if it hasn't already started filming it's like very soon but you know is is that movie's box office judged based off of what mario did when necessarily that's not fair that's a an r-rated movie compared to you know this is something that you know parents will take their kids to or you know again mario's been along around a lot longer than mortal Kombat, but also nobody's really taking nobody's taking their young kid to see mortal Kombat right now at least i hope not yeah i, I mean if <laughs> if you are i don't know i mean I, I you know far be it for me to judge i guess I, I was watching horror movies when i was seven i mean i turned out pretty terrible but <laughs> whatever i mean i i let my son play halo I, I i think he was like eight when i let him start playing halo but i mean that's that's just digital violence it's not like yeah so there's no bad language or nudity or anything that's probably okay but i i did you know i did kind of start to think about what they said it was like, yeah, I wonder what the ramifications are for other, you know, video game properties now. And certainly there's so, not a ton coming out, but I found that as an interesting take. I'm going to shoot that to bits for a minute here because we've seen from Detective Pikachu. We've seen from both Sonic films. We've seen from The Last of Us TV show. And now we've seen from the Super Mario Brothers movie that video game adaption is no longer a dirty phrase Mm, because that used to be the kiss of death. I mean, we've talked about plenty video game adaptions that the the finished product was absolute garbage, like among some of the worst films ever created. You can look at all of these video game adaptions with great stories to adapt. Absolutely. And somehow just never transferred to the screen. And some of the best video game adapted movies prior to kind of those ones that I just mentioned, you would probably say were just kind of okay at best, you know, of that list of films. And that's even if you take the Resident Evil franchise completely out of the equation, because none of those are even okay. (laughs) So when now that now that Hollywood sees you can make money 
on video game adaptions and that this is not a fly-by-night piece of entertainment. Video games are interwoven into our cultural thread. They are part of pop culture. Video games are just as important and make just as much money and in some cases make more money (laughs) for their studios than some television and film properties do and are as beloved or in many cases more so than than some of what else we get in TV and film. There is money to be made from a proper adaption with a proper group of filmmakers and a proper script. There's money to be made there. And when you think about how copycat Hollywood is in general, when they're seeing the box office receipts and the fan reception for those films and those those properties that we just met that I just mentioned, there's other stuff that's there's deals being made as we speak to adapt other things. And I think, you know, Nintendo is very, very protective of their properties as they should be. You know, you can kind of see them almost the same way Disney is very protective of their properties as well. They're not just going to put Mickey out there on something. You know, Nintendo's not just going to stick Mario on something. You know, those those two characters are just as equally as important to their their companies. You know, I think it's similarly. So now that this movie has made a lot of money, fans have seemed to like it. I think Nintendo would be much more willing to explore like to your point, a Zelda or a Metroid, some of these games that have been real hallmarks of, of the history of gaming. Uh, you know, somebody's probably trying to figure out how to make Pac-Man work right now. You know, there's, <laughs> there's been Pac-Man movies. I think I know there's a, a TV show at one time. Uh, a lot of people are kind of talking about how great it would be to adapt Red Dead Redemption into a film or a TV series, which I'm all for. Uh, there's already in production God of War and Horizon has a series coming based on it. I think Gears is Gears getting a movie or is it getting a TV show? I'm trying to remember. Or is it both? I've heard both, but I it's I believe it's only going to be one or the other. And I from what I remember, I think they are like shifting back and forth on what they think is the best. You know, the the best way to bring that. So I'm going to tell you that I think this is only going to expand. I don't think video game adaptions are going to slow down or just kind of, we had this little bubble of five or six things and then it'll kind of go away. I think we're going to continue to see more of it. And I think the blueprint is out there for how to do it right. And I think people are taking note of it. So for all of the, you know, 2019 versions of, or is it 2019? I think it came out in 2020, the uh, newest Mortal Kombat film. Mm-hmm. That was not particularly good. It wasn't terrible. It just wasn't good. I think that'll kind of be the low end in most cases of what we get going forward. Yeah, I think those are some really good points that, you know, it makes me wonder with with Mario and everything, you know, when we're sitting here. You know, one game that came to mind, like, okay, because you mentioned Disney, would they just based on the premise of the game? Would Disney look at saying, we want to try and uh, adapt Epic Mickey? Mm. Would we try and put, you know, would we try and do something with with that as a movie? You know, certainly maybe one of like the most well-known games of all time. And I think maybe this would have to be a show. Is, Is there talks now of, oh my God, can you imagine if we could do Kingdom Hearts? 
with with all of those things like what i de- like you have to know that somewhere somebody right now is just these studios are thinking of okay what could we do to try and get onto this trend there's people who drive very expensive cars to work and wear very expensive suits that are that own the rights of these properties that are discussing this. Mm-hmm. Like there's, they'd be insane not to at least have a conversation about, can we do this? Does this property that we hold, is there a partner that makes sense for us? Is there a story that we want to tell? Is this something that we want to do that we never would have necessarily thought to dust off? I, I'm kind of surprised that they haven't tried to do more with final, the final fantasy roster. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some beloved stories there. I know you and Brandon have talked about one or two of them. You know, my brother, Eric, shout out to uh, my co-host for the extended podcast universe was so excited today because there was a final fantasy bundle that released on switch. And he's pretty much just going to play final fantasy three. As we know it in the United States, it was um, released overseas. I want to say it's actually FF six as it's Japanese uh, mm-hmm. number. That's got one of the best stories of all time. And that was a super Nintendo game. Like, there's there's like five seasons of TV you could make out of that if you wanted to, at least highly rated TV because it's Star Wars and Game of Thrones all together and like Middle Earth all put together with, with a somehow. with a splash of Middle Earth. <laughs> like, yeah. And a little bit of the Matrix, too, even, I guess, like it's it's like it's all of that. And it's it's fantastic. So, yeah, there's there's people who own properties and own the rights of this stuff that are that are talking to some people going is this worth exploring right now yeah i I think those are all very very good points but you know getting back to to mario and and the movie that we're actually talking about uh one of my other points that i want to bring up that i liked because in the games peach is always damsel in distress She's in the castle. She's locked up. I did love the callback to when they first go there. The toads are like, she's in another castle. Like, loved it. I, I loved love it. that. I just that that made me chuckle. I tried not to laugh too loud because, you know, trying to be respectful in the theater. But, you know, at home, that probably would have got a, you know, big old Santa Claus belly laugh from me. I liked how she wasn't a damsel in distress. I liked how they portrayed her that yeah. she was, you know, a. A, a, a strong I liken it to Padme in Phantom Menace and then they completely ruined her you know she's mm. she's there for her people she's she's trying to be the best leader she can be leading from the front you know she's kind caring compassionate I, I really love the way that they portrayed her and didn't just kind of have her you know as the damsel in distress I like that she was integral to trying to fight Bowser. Yeah. A a lot of that. I, I think that was the right move on their part to make her actually formidable and a true like fleshed out. And I I say fleshed out, but again, I still feel like a lot of the characters are maybe a little flat in this. This, I think the story at times is maybe a little basic, a little flat, but that's okay. I actually don't care about Mm -hmm. any of that, but I, I like that they, they gave us more than just, the princess in the castle that you have to try to rescue when you slide down the flagpole at the end of the level. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was very well done. Again, I just, I, I, I really enjoyed how they mixed together, you know, humor, it, the, 
you know, the, the struggle of Mario, you know, feeling, am I letting my brother down? Am I dragging him down based on the words of his family? Things like that. I, I thought there were really well, not mixed messages, but they mixed different tones and different aspects into this movie. Now, again, some of it, it's not a hundred percent fleshed out, but I feel like they did a really good job of just not making this. Oh, Mario goes and saves the princess. Or, oh, Mario just goes and defeats Bowser. I did like their attempt. And again, it doesn't work every time. But I did appreciate the attempt to make this a little bit more fleshed out as well. I mean, how much how much story can you really get out of Mario? Yeah. Like, like how much how much lore is there in Mario? Like, how much more did you really want to learn about his backstory? Like this was fun. This was Mm -hmm. a good time at the movies. This is a film that if you've not seen it, you should go see. And when it comes out on streaming, like we'll watch it again and we will laugh hysterically at it and have a great time, uh, either as a family or if I'm just watching it by myself. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. So Rob, I'm going to give you an opportunity, you know, is there any other topics about this movie? Do you feel like you didn't cover anything? Some final thoughts before we get into popcorn time. All right. I'm going to be on an Island on this one. I think. All right, let's hear it. It feels like there's a moment in this that everybody seems to like, and I kind of hated it. And I think, I think I'm going to be on an Island here. Uh, got a hot take. I was really not into the peaches song. I felt like it was kind of boring. I think it slowed the pace of the movie to a halt. It went on too long. It seems like people are really into it. My kids laughed hysterically throughout the entire part of that on the movie. It just didn't do anything for me. I I just, I thought it was kind of lame. I think I'm on an island here and I'm okay with that. If you had fun with it though, you the listener, if you're like, dude, you have lost your damn mind. What are you talking about? That was the best moment of the film. That's perfectly fine. You're allowed to think that. I just, I thought it just ground the movie's pace to a halt. Listeners boo this man, but (laughs) (laughs) send your hate mail to MGTTM podcast at gmail.com and put in the subject line, Rob, you do not know what you're talking about. That's funny. I thought maybe just maybe I thought you were going to say you were not a fan of Mr. Blue star. No, I, I thought he was funny. Okay. I, 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 I thought maybe you were going to say he was a little bit too morose. It's a little weird how much that guy wants to die. <laughs> really, I shouldn't laugh, but he really does. <laughs> like that's that's a little weird like i'm not gonna lie I, I was a little like okay i'm laughing but like i don't want my kids laughing at this no, he cracked me up like he really but it was really he, funny he really did but i i did think maybe just because of your like your kids being there like based on what he was saying i thought maybe that part would have been what you were gonna say is what you're maybe on an island for but yeah i, I was I, mean, I was dying laughing All right. So like, like all parents, I try to shield my kids from as much as I possibly can. I think maybe I'm just a little more pragmatic and just kind of realize like they go to a public school, like, you know, I wrote a, I wrote a public school bus my, my entire, you know, 
uh, time as a kid, like there are no words as an adult that I know that I didn't know in first grade. Like, you know, but I'm now sure it's times 30. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I try to shield them from as much as I can, but I'm, you know, like there's, I, I there's certain things that I think people get really worked up about that, you know, I just don't get as worked up about. And that was one that I, I know that there's some people that are like, that have a reaction to that. And that's mm. fine. If you, if you yeah. kind of, if you had an issue with that or didn't really care for, for that character and the way that was portrayed, like I get it. Like I understand. I thought it was funny. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was hysterical. I, I, I was surprised by how much it was like peppered throughout the movie. Cause I was like, God damn, like he's, he's really yeah. going in on it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like call it, like get a therapist, like, you like, know, talk this out with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, he just, he cracked me up. And again, like, from a serious aspect, you know, it honest, like if you need help, go get help. I, I thought it was portrayed in a fun way in the movie. So I, I thought it was pretty damn funny. Surprising, but funny. It made me laugh a lot. Mike, my, my kids, they're older. They're 21 and 16. They were cracking up about it. They're like, good. Like even my 16 year old was like, geez, he was, he was not having it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go see Doctor Morrow. Have him flip you a couple of pills right. And balance you out <laughs> right. A little bit, right, exactly. That'll be his spinoff. Is him going to find Doctor Mario? Like, yeah, like that's probably that's one of the few Mario things that we probably could have gotten here that we didn't yet. You know, we didn't get like Mario Super Strikers or like we didn't get Mario Party or Smash Brothers. Really, you know, I think those are all properties they could explore in the right. future. You know, you mentioned the obvious Luigi's Mansion uh, opportunity and. um you know that we we saw the end credit scene with the entry of Yoshi. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's uh, an MBU. I think is is very realistic and very probable. Yeah, I have heard that the supposed title for this a uh, second Mario movie is uh, Super Mario Bros. Two Yoshi's Island. Is is what I've heard is a title floating around. Uh, yeah, we're the, we're there opening week. Yeah, no, I yeah. would a hundred percent. This would be something where, you know, I I was able to go midway through the week after it opened, but you know, based on this one, that would be a second movie of something that I'd be like, no, I I'd, I'd like to go on a Thursday night at one of their nine ten showings or something like that. Because, yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed this. So based on that, Rob, we'll get into popcorn time. We're gonna review this. And I'll let you go first on uh, on this one. Where where does this rank for you? So I'm somewhere between a four and a four and a half. I, I initially kind of wanted to give it a four because I felt like this was really, really good. It's not quite great. I don't need a film to be perfect to get five buckets, but I do need it to be great. So mm. I think this is going to be a four and a quarter for me. This feels like the right answer. Uh, I don't have a lot of things that I disliked about this movie. It was a lot of fun. I recommend it highly uh, four and a quarter for me. Yeah, I uh, I have had the same feeling since I got out of it. You know, I was I was driving home and well, first because I went with both Brandon and Peyton we got done with the movie. We got something to eat. 
And then I, we were just talking about it a little bit more. And Brandon and I were talking about it a little bit more in depth than me, Peyton and I did. And I rated it a four after I thought about it, after seeing it. And it still sticks with a four. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I would certainly, like I said, uh, immediately go see a sequel. There were a couple aspects that, yeah, I don't, you know, I've rated things a five in the past that I'm like, it's not perfect, but it was perfectly what I needed. I, I do think there's some flaws with this movie, but it, it's something that is thoroughly enjoyed. And again, Rob, we've talked about how sometimes it feels like, you know, I sit there and say a four and I'm almost like, oh, I got to explain why it's a four because that's such a bad score. Like yeah. <laughs> when you're when you're rating it out of uh, out of five. But for me, this is a four out of five buckets. This is still something that I 100 percent highly recommend. If you haven't been able to see it, see it. If you're somebody who doesn't like going to the movies still, you don't like being out in that environment. OK, completely understand. But, you know, this is to me something that when it becomes available on digital and you can rent it for 20 bucks at the house. Run it with your family, sit in the comfort of your own home on your couch or whatever, you, you know, whatever you got and, and check out this movie. You will you will have a great family night watching this because, you know, that really speaks to what you're what you're talking about, really, I think, is the difference between the entertainment value of something and like what your critical score of it would be. Mm -hmm. Something could be highly entertaining, but not well put together. Right. Uh, vice versa, something could be incredibly well put together, but like I'm bored by it. And, and this is definitely not something I'm bored by. This is something I thoroughly enjoy. So, yeah, I, I feel you on a, on a four. Yeah, it's you know, it's I I liken it how you just said that to like to me, the Batman and Robin treatment. Yeah, it's it's a horrible movie. Yeah, I'm never bored. Entertainment value. It's like a five bucket for me. From a, <laughs> like from a critical standpoint, it's it's like a one, maybe even a half a bucket. But from an entertainment <laughs> standpoint, oh, my God, I, I can't get enough of it. It's it's not like from a from a critical standpoint, that movie's not even a quarter of a bucket. That's like. That's the that's the popcorn that you left in the microwave for too long and then <laughs> burned the whole thing. Like it and there's like maybe a few kernels at the bottom that are worth saving. Yeah, it, right, exactly. But yeah, thoroughly enjoyable. I'm again very shocked that we have not heard just announcement after announcement about a sequel, a spin-off, other properties that they're going to adapt. Maybe that's strategic, you know, maybe they're like, let's let this thing marinate. Let's, you know, let this make all the money, so to speak. And then we're going to start announcing a couple things because maybe, you know, sometimes with those announcements, Rob, I think before we sign off here, you know, maybe that can sour people a little bit announcing something so quickly you know, to, to something that was just released. So maybe there's a strategy behind not announcing sequels. Maybe they don't have any plans. Maybe they really did just say like, yeah, we're just going to make one Mario movie. And that's what we're doing. I, I have a hard time believing that. And again, maybe I'm just overthinking, but maybe there's a, a strategy behind not announcing things immediately. I feel like Nintendo has kind of earned the benefit of the doubt overall that they kind of know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. The Virtual Boy and the Wii U notwithstanding, generally, they they get it right. 
By the way, that Virtual Boy is way more fun than people ever gave it credit for. I, I actually own one. It's still at my parents' house underneath my my old bed. It's it's a lot of fun. If you, if you ever get a chance to try one, it's actually cooler than people remember. Uh, but outside of those kind of like major failures, they typically get things right. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're not going to just make the the fast money play. They're going to they're going to do what they think is going to actually get them the best result overall, I believe. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with that. So, you know, certainly they have another big property coming up with Zelda Tears of the Kingdom coming up for the switch here, which is going to sell millions of copies. And who knows, maybe we'll hear something about Zelda in the wake of the Zelda video game release, but that's going to conclude this episode for the Super Mario Brothers movie. And not to be confused, we will very shortly go from talking about something that we both enjoyed and was entertaining to something we, at least originally, can't stand. (laughs) Maybe it will be entertaining because... Rob and his big brain ideas, which I, which <laughs> Stop I taking my ideas, which I love. He hates. <laughs> he probably wishes I was deaf when he talked to me. But <laughs> but uh, we'll also be reviewing the original, the OG Super Mario Brothers movie, filled with comets and gangs and. Everything that screams Mario Brothers. <laughs> Goombas with tiny heads. Yes. Well, we'll be reviewing that as well. Uh, so I am really looking forward to that and uh, some some other video game adaptations that love them or hate them are part of this incredible history of video games. So, so looking with forward the Mario to that. movie with the Mario movie making all the money, the you know, the old one has been discussed. Like people are talking about it and I'm sure you, the listener have either you've seen it, you're at least aware of it. And if you've seen it, you're probably like, Oh yeah, I'm trying to remember what that was like, but I remember it being terrible. Or if you've never seen it, you just know that the movie is terrible. This is going to be another one of those editions where Matt and Rob watch something. So you don't have to. So we're going to fall on that sword for you. The listener, you're welcome. Yeah. Totally, totally true. Um, so thank you, Rob, though, for all of your suggestions, because <laughs> I am eagerly anticipating that. So in my big mouth, you and you and your big mouth. So as always, Rob, as you're closing us, uh, as we're closing out once again, how do listeners get a hold of us? And that's that's it. Yeah. So uh, listeners, if you loved the Peaches song and you think I am completely out of my mind, uh, you can email the show mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. If you actually agree with me and you just kind of like needed somebody else to say it first, um, you can also email the show uh, in the subject line of Rob, you were right all along. Um, Also, you're (laughs) right about The Last Jedi, too. You can go ahead and do that as a subject line. Uh, MGTTM podcast at gmail.com. You can also find the show on Facebook. You can join the official Facebook group. You can find us on uh, uh, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitch, all the places you want to be. Some great episodes recently. Uh, we covered all of The Last of Us, speaking of video game adaptions. Uh, Matt and Brandon have an episode on the Resident Evil 4 remake. So if you are into gaming, you can certainly check that out. Uh, a year ago, we had our top 100 video game series. That was a lot of fun. We did those in four parts. So there's 25 uh, uh 
games mentioned at a time. And certainly the Mario franchise got uh, featured throughout that. So if you're into gaming in general, you can certainly go back and check those out if you have not already. But yeah, send us your thoughts, connect with us on social media. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. Thank you listeners so much for joining us. We will see you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.